Down at your feet, O oh Lord, is the most high place in your presence, Lord. I seek your face, I seek your face. There is no higher calling, no greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. I am amazed at your glory embraced. By your mercy, O Lord, I live to worship you. There is no higher calling, no greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. I am amazed at your glory embraced by your mercy, O Lord. I live to worship you. O Lord, I live to worship you, oh Lord, I live to worship you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. So yeah, that's a song by um, Jonathan Butler. And that song has just been coming in my spirit for the last two days. Actually, I, I really didn't know it was sung by, by, by um, Jonathan Butler. It's not an artist I'm familiar with, but it's a very old song. And, you know, it's, it, it starts off by saying, Down at your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, Lord, I seek your face, I seek your face. There is no higher calling, no greater honor. And to bow and kneel before your throne. I am amazed at your glory, embraced by your mercy. Oh Lord, I live to worship you. It's really nice to play on the keyboard when you play it and you sing. It's just a very spiritual song, and it, the title is No Higher Calling, and that's really what this um, musing is about. And you know, I have been going through an experience this week, you know. Um, I've been going through an experience where a lot of questions that I've had about my childhood, my life, things that didn't make sense. The last jigsaw of the puzzle slotted in this week. And it was a very, you know, that sort of thing where you feel like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And what I thank God for is that he has prepared me. He really prepared me. It took 50-something years for the Lord to get me to this point. 
And um, now that the final jigsaw is in, the, it's so clear. As in, you know, it's it it's just so clear. And at the end of it, I just realized that, oh my goodness, Lord, this was, I was in the most dangerous of situations all this while. I had no clue. But you were there protecting me. I was trusting those I should not have trusted. Confiding in those who I should not have confided in. Praying with those I shouldn't have been praying with. But you shielded me. I am... The world is evil. You know, the world is so evil. I thank God that I have come to Christ. Because I kid you not, the only book that explains to me the reason why good and evil coexist on earth and why some people are inherently, at least appear to be inherently good and some others are just inherently evil. The only book that explains it to me in a way that makes sense with a storyline that starts from the beginning of things that I can walk all the way back to my current day is the Bible. It has the historical references. It has the spiritual revelation pieces. It has natural wisdom elements. I am able to fact check things, not just with the historical account, but also with what I also see and experience in my own world. I can test those words and see whether, okay, is this really a universal principle or is it just something that maybe relates to the, 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 the Jews or the Hebrews or the people of Israel or the people that lived in that time? I have seen that a lot of the things that the word of God in the Bible teaches contains universal truths. A lot of the lessons, the moral principles, and the accounts that it gives. For instance, it's the Bible that makes me know that there is a reason why the women are hated on this earth. Genesis 3 explains it. That after the, um, the sin of Adam, uh, there was an enmity between um, the, de the, the devil and the woman. And he says, the Lord God told the devil there and then that the seed of the woman will crush his head. And he says, I will put an enmity between you and the seed. So the patriarchy that we have in the world today that makes the woman who creates, who is actually the birther of all creation, the most hated and reviled across cultures. Regardless of how populous, you know, how developed the country is, they are all united. The world is united in their hatred of women, in their commitment to subduing her and making sure she continues to be and to be seen as an underclass. The Bible gives an explanation for that. The Bible also seems to give, appears at least to me, to give an explanation for why black people are also somehow reviled in the world. Not even somehow, we are reviled. My theory is this. Everything about the Garden of Eden points to the fact that the first man, the, the rivers around the Garden of Eden, they were in, around Ethiopia. It's very likely. Science also says that life began in Africa. It's very likely that the first man, Adam, 
was brown-skinned. They were definitely not Caucasians. Everything science and anthropologically, also the Bible seems to suggest that they were people of color. They were also not Israelites. They were not Jews. They were most likely black people like you and I. It's also why today, I guess, why black people all over the world continue to be the most religious people on the planet because we were there when it all began. The people who were farthest away from that Garden of Eden experience are the ones who are more likely to believe in science, technology, and not believe that a spiritual world exists. No, Almost no black person on earth. You can't convince them, regardless of how they were raised, that there is no spirit world. We know it by DNA. The Bible gives me an explanation for that. Regardless of how black people are raised, we are more religious, generally speaking. People of color, the facts, you, you know, I mean, and this is a, a very massive um, generalization. But I found like now I'm even in, the, I'm in seminary and I find out that, you know, people from a certain culture really, they, they, the concept of a spirit world, they really struggle with it. Whereas for us in black people, we don't, we, we, we actually, there's no struggle. We recognize that it's there. Some of, I mean, we, we know that it's there. Many of us even have people who, you know, like I say, filter between two, those worlds. You know what I'm saying? We know it's there. For most of people from a certain culture, it's more like mythical. It's fantasy. For us, it's not mythical. It's not fantasy. The Bible explains that. We were there at the beginning. Yeah, so we know. And somehow that translates through the culture, through the years. So, and then the whole, this whole good and evil thing, I think it's so bizarre that we, we, we focus so much on the science of things and we don't realize that the psychology of things is so much more important. Why? Are some people evil? How is it that some people can do things like, you know, I don't want to talk about it because some of the things that some people, you read some of the headlines, why is it that some people are like this? The Bible explains it to me. The Bible, I have come to the conclusion that, you know, the Bible talks about the elect of God. There are some people that for some reason, they will find their way to God regardless of where they were born, where they were, you know, whatever it is that happened to them. And there are some people that, regardless of how much mercy God shows to them, how much good things and blessings they are bestowed with, how, how much mercy and love and kindness the universe or God and human beings show to them, they will be. They will continue to be evil. Not just evil in terms of what they do. In terms of what gives them pleasure. In terms of how they think. How they feel. I had an experience in 2022 that made me... I, I, I spent a lot of time on this podcast. In fact, this podcast has been very therapeutic for me. Because I was so stunned at what I saw. That I kept saying, I have experienced evil up close. And I thought that that was... My first time of experiencing evil up close, not knowing that there was even, I had been living the experience of evil, not even up close, but I can't even explain to you the level. 
and I had no clue. But I now realize, because, you know, I went through this whole bizarre experience and I was like, why did, why did God, you know, allow me to go through this? And, you know, I blamed myself for getting myself into that situation, you know, but I now realize that because God knew that he needed to walk me through out of a situation that I could not have prevented. He took me through a school, a, a smaller experience, which looked really big at the time, in preparation for the bigger reveal that was going to happen down the line. If I hadn't now, looking back, if I hadn't gone through that um, tutorial, with with a relationship that was not was relatively new, even though it had become very close, but that reveal was quite devastating for me. But if I hadn't gone through that mini version spiritual tutorial reveal and the teaching that the Lord gave brought me through that process, I don't know how I'll have coped with this one that has just happened. I don't know, and I know that I am not. I may not be making sense, but. I one thing about my musings when I talk about things like this, I know that God communicates, you know, He filters out what people need to hear. So I'm not bothered about whether I'm giving details or not. I just speak as led by the Holy Spirit because I know that the Holy Spirit will give that illumination. I mean, recently I I got introduced into that concept of illumination, which is what the Holy Spirit does for us when He gives us revelation and understanding. I always wondered why it was difficult for me to explain to other people how I knew certain things or how I understood certain things, I would struggle for the words. But I now, you know, when I, in Bible school, I now realize that there's what the Holy Spirit does. He just lights a light up in you and you see and you understand and it's clear to you. And sometimes there are, there are words around it, but the illumination, you can't replicate it for someone else because it was, it's by the Spirit and it's, it's, it's inside your heart. So you can describe, you can try, at least I, I sometimes try, to describe to someone else what the Holy Spirit has shown me. And of course, there's always a scripture reference for all of it, you know, but then you can't transfer that. That illumination is not transferable. It's not. So maybe that person can get a sense of what you're saying. And if God wants to then, if the Holy Spirit wants to then provide illumination to that person as well, then he will do it separately in a different way or sometimes confirming, validating, but illumination is not transferable, you know, so which is why, you know, the scripture where Paul says when, when the Holy Spirit showed certain things to him, he did not confer with flesh and blood. I understand that because if you're waiting for human beings to validate what God has shown you, it may or may not happen. Except the Lord led you to that person to say, go to this person, you know, and then God will give that person the words and the validation. Otherwise, if that hasn't been done by the Holy Spirit, your words alone, my words alone cannot provide that illumination it may provide some mental understanding some mental appreciation of what i'm saying but then the illumination which is <clears throat> spiritual i mean as in your heart it's like the best way i can describe it is like you just light a candle in your heart in and you understand you see it's clear and it's unmistakably clear you don't even need any validation or any you know any other external thing so so Anyway, so I've had this whole big reveal situation going on and I've spent the entire week trying to wrap my head around it, realizing that someone very close to you has all your life been lying, manipulating and actively 
working towards an agenda that honestly you just don't understand and it's clearly pretending to be a christian and you are not a christian pretending to to love god and you do not love god pretending to serve god you do not serve god and for me you know i thank god for the journey that i've been on because in fact, ever since the whole thing happened, I've been wondering, because normally I'm a very emotional person. I'm someone who should be able to cry. I haven't been able to shed one single tear. I have sorrowed. I have mourned the death of the relationship because clearly that relationship is dead. Because for me, I draw the line at Christ. You know, I I, I have a problem. I don't mind if you don't believe in Jesus. You are you believe to belong to another religion and you follow that actively. That's transparency. I respect your right. I will be your friend. We will relate together. I will respect you. I would even, in fact, I would love you for it. You know, I'll talk about my Jesus. You can talk about whatever it is that you believe in. That's fine. But we we both understand we have different faith beliefs. I mean, if, if we still have the same value principles about what is right and what is wrong, morality and all of that, we can still relate. But on a faith spiritual level, we agree that, yes, we're following different spiritual paths. But that's fine. But whatever relationship we can have outside of that, either as friends or family, there's no issue. So long as you are transparent about it. What I find completely devilish and demonic is when you pretend to be a Christian. But you are abs- you are actually the opposite of the of a Christian. When I mean opposite of Christian, I don't mean that oh you are doing immoral acts. I mean you are a servant of the devil, involved in the occult, and then you are parading yourself as a Christian, deceiving, gaslighting friends and family, and this is a lifestyle choice for years. I, I, I have a real problem with that. And it then turns out that, I mean, it, be, it oh wow. You see how every conversation has been scripted. Everything has been, a web of lies has been spun day after day. Year after year, decade after decade. And my, my, my question is to what end? And this is the thing about you know the, the devil and his cohorts. They 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 there's so much effort for a an endeavor that at the end of the day is going to end up in pain. Because no matter what, they will always be exposed, they will always lose, they will always fail, but somehow. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like an, you know, it's, it's like ads, where you see ads running around in circles. And they just, they're spending so much effort. And you can just see that, man, this, you're not going anywhere. But you see them diligently running around as in, ooh, 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 moving around in circles. It's the most bizarre thing. So, I, I have come to realize now that, and, you know, because when I look at it, I'm like, this is the second ex- experience I've had really close now. Of individuals who, for all intents and purposes, I have now discovered we're living a double life. And for me, the energy and the effort and the commitment towards maintaining 
that facade rather than coming out openly and saying this is who i am which by the way would have accepted you anyways only that would have kept you at arm's length but then you didn't want that because you wanted to be in treated like you know you wanted the access so that you can you know get whatever it is you want so you needed to present yourself in a particular way because you knew that 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 would all defenses would be down and um so for me i'm like I have come to the conclusion that, because honestly, even when I look at this particular individual and I look at, I'm like, okay, so at the end of the day, okay, so maybe what, what, what has all of this, what have you gained? There's nothing that you have gained that Jesus will not give a hundredfold even more. But the efforts that you've taken, I mean, I'm, as in like, I'm struggling to see the wins. And now it's gotten to that point where it's very clear now that you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. You're going to be left with nothing. And so I'm waiting to see how things are going to pan out. Will there be a moment of genuine repentance at some point? Um, I'm not holding my breath on that issue. But what I just want to say is that, and I'm, I think I'll bring this to a close on this point. There is good and there is evil in the world. There is a cosmic battle that predated our existence. There is a good camp. There is a, an evil camp. If we read the Bible, God tells us the backstory. We can read it in Isaiah 14. You can read it in Revelation 12. The whole war in heaven. For some reason, there was some rogue angels they decided to go against God. They fought against, you know, the God. Um, the they fought against the angels of God. They were cast out of heaven. They were defeated. They came onto earth and decided that they were going to wreak havoc upon the earth. The devil knows that he's going to be judged eventually in the end of days, but he he's on a quest to make sure that he perpetuates evil and sets up his kingdom and just works against God as much as possible through human beings. In a quest, I believe his his goal is to delay the judgment of God because the Bible says that God is coming for a glorious church. So if he can prevent the church from getting to that level of glory, it delays the judgment. I don't know whether he thinks he can actually prevent the judgment, but I think he does because the Bible also talks about in Revelation where they actually gather to do battle against the world. So he's just on this massive delusional quest where he really does think that opposing God will end well for him. As you can tell, he's somebody, he he has really high delusions of grandeur. I mean, you see that in Isaiah 40 when he says, I want to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I want to be, you know, there are people who suffer from what you call inordinate ambition. Um, and you see that, you see this in the corporate um, ex, um, sphere as well. People who do not recognize that there are some boundaries or there's some, there's some things they, they should not or cannot aspire to. The, Lucifer is the number one example of that you know and um, they just don't recognize that you know I, yeah i'm a created being and i have boundaries i cannot become like the creator there's nothing that i will do that will make me bigger stronger or as powerful as him that created me i am creature he is creator so he had a, he had a fundamental problem with that and so that's that um so he rebelled against it and he has rogue he was able to get some angels who rebelled against him. The Bible says that one third of the angels um, in heaven 
so so those fallen spirits are the ones ruling over the darkness of this world um paul talks about them in ephesians 6 12 you know so and on all of that but then the thing is they have human accomplices and there are those who are accomplices consciously and that there are those who are accomplices unconsciously so the unconscious accomplices are the people who their minds have been blinded. They just really don't know. They're just going with the flow. They're just doing things that are not right. You know, and I think a major part of the world is really in that space where you just, you know, people just really doing things and they're just going, you know, based on what they think is right to do. And, you know, they're not really, they're not consciously, they, they, they don't know better. Let's put it that way. Such people, yeah if they met Jesus or the word of God or they had an experience, they're more likely, I mean, depending on, you know, what their personal motivations are. Yeah. They, they, they are, they are people who can, who will probably get saved and, you know, if they were to, you know, and, and follow God or Christ and Christ, you know, but then they are the conscious accomplices. They are the conscious. And I think the church doesn't teach enough about these people. Which is why we 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 struggle. We don't really know how that place works. They are conscious accomplices, and I think what I need to do now is I'm I'm probably going to go into scripture and try to see where I can find biblical reference for people who are conscious accomplices to evil, to the evil system, the cosmic battle, and the scripture recognizes that they are so. I think one person, a good one person that comes to mind is Judas that betrayed Jesus. Judas, you know, I wonder was he a conscious and an unconscious accomplice? I think at some point he was conscious. So he's he's that he's that character that we say, you you know, because eventually he he was remorseful, and then he you know he killed himself and all that. But at the point at which he was doing it, you know. So was he used, was he, you know, of course he took money, so it wasn't quite, it wasn't like he was used. He wasn't doing it out of some idealistic principle. There was financial gain for it. But at some point he didn't realize, oh my goodness, I really messed up, you know. So he, you would say, was a conscious accomplice who later had an epiphany. I think I would put it that way. So yeah, so that's one example of a conscious. I'm going to look for more people because Judas knew that jesus was the son of god he knew that this was about good god's savior so he was aware that there was a cosmic battle and he picked sides so he picked to work against the interest of jesus and he worked for the battle and he knew he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing which is why later on he had the epiphany so yeah he was actually a conscious accomplice judas is a good example so i'm going to look for more because i think this is, and Judas was among the disciples. I think that's the core of the message. And that's where I think the body of Christ, based on the experiences that I've had in these two cases, someone, friend, the other one, family. There are people amongst us. The parable of the test teaches about it, who are masquerading as believers. But not only are they not believers, they are the implants of the enemy. 
I guess the the epistles warned about them, you know, false prophets, false brothers. I mean, Paul and all of them warned them wasn't so much. But now we see that in the body of Christ, nobody is talking about it. There are false brethren, there are false prophets, there are false teachers. You know, in fact, and they are implants of the enemy. It's not that they are serving themselves. They are on assignment. And the assignment is to infiltrate, to steal, to kill, to destroy, to deceive, to manipulate, to change the course of history, change the course of God, pollute, corrupt. I will just leave it at this, but circling back to this song, I have come to the conclusion that some people will follow the enemy will will consciously make themselves willful accomplices, agents, tools, vessels of destruction in the kingdom of God. And there are some people who will make themselves vessel of honor, who will be grateful for the opportunity to be a servant of the most high God. And even in the same space, if pe- you there, there is, you will not be able to. I mean, it it will be it will be possible. In fact, in some cases, twins, one will be a willing accomplice of the devil, the other will be a willing servant of the Lord. Why it is this way? Why some people are fascinated, obsessed with evil? I do not know. And why some of us are repelled by anything the same evil that fascinates these people is a source of revulsion to some of us i i i all i can just say is that it seems that some of us there's a red pill there's a blue pill thing going on some people for some reason i don't know and you know this whole concept of the elect of god maybe this is where it comes to play because I can't say that there's anything I have done that made myself this way. No. But it seems to be, for some reason, my nature. I mean, I would I, I would love God even if he was to punish me. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because he's a good God. I see how he's... Like these two individuals I'm talking about, they have been recipients of God's mercy. God could have destroyed... I mean, the things that God has made even me do in these people's lives while they were working against him. He's a good God. And I'm like, God, how, how is it that you're able to love even those who hate you? So their actions make me love God even more. And it makes me hate their master even more. And it makes me even more determined that I will walk against evil on this earth. I will walk against it by God helping me by every power. I will resist it. I will resist it by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of God, by the power of God in me. God helping me. We will resist that evil. We will destroy it on this earth. If God will, ah, Father, we will, we will make them they will be sorry. 
we will resist that evil. Lord, just strengthen us because you know we cannot do it. Without you, we cannot do anything. And we are weak. We have no strength of our own. But help us, Lord. You are the God that is able to strengthen your own. For protecting me from the evil that was around me all my life. Speaking into my life. I worship you. There is no higher calling. None. But to be your servant is the greatest honor of my life. To be the object of your love and of your affection, of your mercy and of your grace is the greatest honor of my life. I thank you. I just thank you. I thank you. I thank you.